In this last part of the three-part series with Erin Lynham, she will share biblical stories to connect people to God's creation and how nature is evidence that the Bible is real in order to help families form resilient faith. We all know that parenting is hard work and life can get busy. We've done the research to help you. So let's dig deep with Leanne Mancini and work together to help you raise strong Christian kids. Welcome back for our final episode with Erin Lynham. And she is a certified master naturalist, Bible teacher, and author of the book, Rooted in Wonder, Nurturing Your Family's Faith Through God's Creation. She is a wife, mama to four, and host of the podcast, Nat Theo, Nature Lessons Rooted in the Bible, a podcast for kids. She had so much great info that she shared in the first episode, the second episode, and now we have this final third episode, and I am so excited. Thank you, Erin, for coming back again. Thank you for having me, Leanne. So we talked about so many things, the ecosystem, invasive plants, how to discuss God's nature and creation and connect the dots and how you could use God's nature to have children understand absolute truth. There are just so many good things. But I wanted to talk about in the book you stated, I wanted him to see the chasm between God's design and society's brokenness. So this is so applicable to today, what's happening. Can you share that story? Yes, absolutely. I was talking about my son there one day we were rushing to get out of the house and you know how you can get when you're trying to get everyone ready and out the door and just frazzled as a mom. And so that's where I was in that moment. And my son came to me and I almost brushed him off, like, go get your shoes on. We got to go. But the Holy Spirit told me, stop. Whoa, wait, this is important. (laughs) And so my son, just out of the blue, he asks, mom, why did God make men and women? Why didn't he just make men and men would marry men? And I knew right away, he wasn't asking about homosexuality. That was another conversation for another day. What he was asking about was variety. Why did God make variety? And so I shared with him how God made men and women to fit together perfectly like a puzzle piece. And that when they do, they can even create a family and how God's design works best for a family. Because he had a follow-up question, you know, kids, they'll just like go question, 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 like, you know, and he said, okay, well, what about divorce? I said, you know what? God's design is best, but we live on a broken earth. And when those designs are broken, it's really hurtful and things don't go well, but God's grace is big enough for that. And I used the analogy that day of ecosystems and water cycles and all these things we see out in nature, God's designs, like he is the master engineer, inventor artist. And when we learn about his designs, we see that they operate best when they operate by his plan. Just like we talked about in the last episode, in ecosystems that become broken and ravaged by invasive species, it's just like this. God's ecosystems, everything he has made thrives when it is operating within his plan. And so just giving our kids those visuals, helping them to connect, you know, we can look at the sun and how God made it to guide the day and the moon and how God made it to guide the seasons, that he has a plan and things work best and thrive within those plans and yes, limits and boundaries and purposes. I love how kids ask question after question. And (laughs) I was actually quoting what you said in your book. I wanted him to see the chasm. There is a great divide. 
right? Mm -hmm. That your son can see between the world's brokenness and God's creation, how things were meant to be and how things are. And I think it's important that we use any example we have to show our children at a very young age that this is God's worldview, how it was meant to be, and this is the world's worldview and how it's (laughs) not supposed to be. Also, what are some biblical examples of the stories of how God spoke of nature? For example, when he spoke to Abram about the stars in the sky, and how can we use those stories to connect our children's hearts to God? Hmm. When we begin looking for nature in the Bible, we see it everywhere. And I love that we just gain this glimpse of the heart of God and how he teaches truth, because we see it all throughout scripture. And we see Jesus using all these natural materials in the gospels whenever he teaches truth, using these things that he and the father fashioned back together at creation, calling on those things to create these analogies that will anchor them visually in the minds of his listeners. And I love this example in Genesis 15, where God took Abram outside and he's about to make this covenant promise with Abram that you will have this legacy, this line of countless descendants. And I love what we see first in this story. God took Abram outside. That is fundamental. We can do the same thing. We can take our children outside and prepare them to receive God's truth. And I love that God pointed Abram's attention to the skies, that he used stars as that visual of countless descendants. I refer to this as a Hebron experience. So they were in Hebron when this happened. And I've had these experiences. My most profound one was in 2017. Our family sold our home, bought a very used 20-foot travel trailer, and explored the Pacific Northwest for nine weeks before coming back to Colorado. And we had three children and a dog at the time when I was pregnant with our fourth, our daughter. And we didn't really have a plan, but we wound up at Newport, Oregon on the day before the total solar eclipse. And this happened to be one of the totality zones. I had no idea what that meant, what it meant to see a solar eclipse in totality. But that morning was one of the most profound experiences of my life. So these total solar eclipses is when the view of the sun is completely blocked out and the earth darkens. And of course, I had never seen this from totality. Again, I had no idea what it meant. But when it began, the most eerie thing happened. The fog, which had been moving out all morning, we were at the edge of the ocean. It began rushing back in and everything gradually became darker. The temperature dropped rapidly to nighttime temps. And the sea lions and the seagulls, they just start going crazy. Like, what is going on? This was 9.45 a.m. Wow. In the moment of the eclipse, it lasted for about one minute, 45 seconds. And we completely lost view of the sun. We could see stars in the sky. And my son, who was four at the time, like, we are breathless, silent. We're not saying anything. And my four-year-old son says, wow, how does God do that? He made this direct connection. Like this thing that felt chaotic and confusing. No, there is order and method and math and reason, and it all is connected back to our creator. And that moment was just, as I, in, in years following, learn more about these total solar eclipses and all that they've lended to our understanding of the universe and the fine tuning of the universe that points to intelligence and a creator, it has deepened my faith so much. And so I'm sorry, let's go back to your original question of nature in the Bible, but I just love that example of Abram and looking at the night sky and God anchoring truth in these visuals. But we see it also in Job 38, 
when God speaks to Job out of a whirlwind to to really just convince Job of his sovereignty, that even in this awful time, even when your whole world is falling apart, God is sovereign. And he says, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding who determined its measurements, surely you know, or who stretched the line upon it. Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place? Can you bind the chains of Pleiades or loose the cords of Orion? Can you lift up your voice to the clouds that a flood of waters may cover you? Now, of course, Job can't do any of these things. And God is using these visuals to point to, I am in control. I am the one who set these boundaries, these rules. I created everything and I hold it all together. We see that in Colossians 1, that God holds all things together, that through Jesus and in Jesus and for Jesus, all things were created and he holds all things together. Isaiah 55, 10 to 11 talks about God's word going forth and not returning void. I love this scripture. It just shows the power of speaking scripture to our children. If you back up in that passage, you see that God anchored this in a nature narrative. He talks about just like the snow and the rain go forth and cause the earth to bring forth vegetation and sprout and bring life. So is my word that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return void, but will accomplish all that I have purposed for it. And so we can point our kids, like last night we had this incredible storm in Colorado and we don't get a lot of storms here. My husband and I stayed up late watching the rain and the lightning just just totally lighting up the sky. And this morning we came out and everything's calm and everything is blindingly green. And I stepped outside to go uncover my little plants that I had covered to protect from hail last night. And this overwhelming aroma you know that spring scent when you step outside after a rain? That's called petrichor. And just thinking about this is how God's word works, that it rains down, that it is like this torrential, just downpour of life and goodness and truth and wisdom, and it always brings forth life. Just beautiful. I have to tell you, God's nature is the ultimate classroom. It is. (laughs) It really is. I mean, it's never boring. There's always something new to see. I just love your analogies and everything that you're explaining right now. It's just that, that when when you said that spring air, I remember that as, you know, growing up in Ohio, I had the seasons and I remember that and I could smell it when you said it. And and for those parents, maybe you live in a city, go to the planetarium and take Mm -hmm. your children there and look at the stars, you know, go to the zoo, go to the parks, wherever you can be in nature with your children, because it really is the ultimate classroom. I love that you state we should stop filling our children with milk and give them solid food. I say this all the time. What do you mean by give them solid food and give it to them early? Ephesians talks about growing up in every way into Christ. And especially in today's society where our kids are being fed lies and funneled into these false agendas, it is so important that we give them a resilient faith. And so milk being what a baby eats and it is nourishing and is absolutely essential, but it is time stamped. We, we are not to release our kids into the world with bellies full of milk. We need to give them more. First and foremost, showing them the reliability of the scriptures, that this is the most proven and supported text literature of all history, that it is not just this book put together by people like, no, there is evidence for this. Like if you've ever gone to Answers in Genesis, the Creation Museum in Kentucky, they have this brilliant exhibit about the reliability of the scriptures. I wept as I walked through 
And of course, I learned these things back in Bible college, but but to really just remember how reliable God's word is. So giving them that so that they know that scripture is sufficient. It is enough. But also in this relativistic world, their friends are going to come to them and say, you can't say because the Bible says so. I don't believe the Bible. They're going to hear that. Like I remember one day my kids came back in from playing with their buddy in the neighborhood and they said, yeah, our friend, he, he says he doesn't believe in God because he believes in science. I said, that's really interesting because from our studies, we understand that science and God go together. God made science. And we had been talking about all this fine tuning of the universe that points back to intelligence that there's absolutely no way this all came about by chance, that the world is so finely tuned for our existence. And we as humans have intelligence and curiosity to see those hints that point back to God because he wants us to see him. And so giving our kids this resilient and robust faith that is rooted in scripture and supported by the evidences we see in nature, science, and history, giving them more to work with in today's world when these arguments come against them that, that first, they won't succumb to doubt, and that second, they will be able to give an answer for the hope that is within them and defend their faith with gentleness and respect. It is so important. It is. And I, I think people always think, oh, they're, they're just a child. Let them have an uh, enjoyable childhood. And let's not be too heavy with them. You can't do that anymore. We've got Mm-mm. to teach our children early. A six-month-old can understand more than they can speak. Yeah. They understand a lot more than they can speak. That's why I think sign language for babies is early is a good thing because that way they don't get frustrated. They can communicate with you. The first five years are so important. Yes, so absolutely. Important. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for being on the show. And I highly, highly suggest everyone get her book, Rooted in Wonder. Thank you for being on the show. I hope you'll come back. Absolutely. I would love to come back. Thank you, Leanne. It's been a joy. And this is how we all work together to raise strong Christian kids. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app. 